I feel like I'm going to come in with one of those radio voices. Hey, everybody. This is Brandon. That guy right there is Jordan. Jordan, what's up, buddy? How are you? you? I'm doing well. Good. This is the Mondo Solution Podcast. The two of us, these guys that you're looking at, these, these, if you're watching us on YouTube, by the way, or Rumble, Odyssey, any other play, YouTube. Wait, I already said YouTube. Facebook, they have video. I don't know if you guys know that. They have video also. Uh, these two gorgeous guys you see right here, we're both Brandon, Jordan. We work for a company called Mondo. This podcast is the Mondo Solution. We're going to talk about marketing, all things marketing, whether that's network marketing, social media marketing, paid marketing, organic marketing, all of these things. Print marketing, I'm sure we will address at some point. Even those signs that fly over top of the beach to being towed behind an aeroplane, I 100% am convinced that we need to talk about that at some point. Did you say aeroplane? I did say aeroplane. I'm very old timey. <laughs> Hold, excuse me while I twist my mustache. <laughs> I feel like I need a bowler and a monocle. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Ye oldie aeroplane. <laughs> Good Lord. This has devolved quickly, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Right at the top. <clears throat> Um, so, uh, thank you for those of you that are joining us, by the way, if you are listening to us on, uh, just a podcast app, whether that's something like Stitcher or Spotify or Audible or Overcast, which is the podcast application that I personally use. Um, thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe. A lot of times I go, Jordan, I'm not sure how you partake of podcasts, but I will go into like the search portion of overcast if i want to learn about a particular topic you know and i will search for for instance right now i'm very curious about uh jonestown <clears throat> i don't know why um the, but the massacre that's cor- well it wasn't mass it was mass uh, well, suicide self massacre yes okay. correct the the mass suicide by the whatever those people are called cult don't drink the kool-aid that's right literally kool-aid or applesauce in the case of some of those people so i think it's very fascinating but i wanted to find out about it so i went and found this podcast called martyr made and so on and so forth so if you are one of those people that has found because we're going to talk about today twitter so some of you may be actually uh searching for that because it's rather timely um subscribe that would be great that would help us a whole lot uh if you're a, if you're a fan a rabid fan a please quit mailing your undergarments to us <laughs> <laughs> yeah those dirty socks are just <clears throat> really those dirty socks <laughs> oh my god i know it's something sad like a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> which is actually a rag that's yeah. right that's right <clears throat> so um but please subscribe leave us a review uh and let us know what's up uh we we'd love to hear from you guys all of those things and uh jordan and i right before the the show started before we hit that countdown um we started talking about uh doing a new series that would be kind of a video-based series where we're actually going to give kind of like a weekly tip that's actionable information for businesses and individuals to use relative to some of their marketing so uh yeah jordan how you been i have been really well We have winter is in full swing now. Yep. And uh, I'm one of those never winter people, except I really do enjoy looking at it. Otherwise, I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing great. (laughs) I love winter so much. It's so good. Look, here's my theory. You can always put on more clothing, (laughs) right? So like even when, even in, you can go to outer space right if you put on the right apparel which granted is a several hundred thousand dollar spacesuit but you can still exist there in the summer once you get naked it's just weird (laughs) (laughs) 
and illegal in many are. places. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I I love winter. I get after it in the winter. We my daughter and I uh, we do a lot of backcountry skiing, uh, frontside skiing. We do just a lot of skiing and like hiking and snowshoeing and all that stuff. So. I love it. I, you know, I hear you. I totally hear you there. It reminds me of that scene from Cool Runnings uh, where Sanka, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but Sanka arrives to the Olympics in Canada and he he puts on literally everything in his bag and the bag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he was still cold. But yes. I, I do agree. I do agree. You cannot take off your skin once you're too hot. No. Uh, that's not feasible. I, I love so. that you remembered his name. I'll, I'll give you bonus it's points. It's one of my can, favorite movies. Bonus points. You can tell me the actor that played Sanka. Uh, nope. <laughs> you know his name? It is Dougie Doug. Doug E period. Like that's his middle name. Yes. Doug. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to have to look this up. What? That's like impressive. Live time. Let's see. Doug. E, yeah. Dougie Doug. Dougie I'm right. Doug. Boom, Which baby. Which is not the same as Marky Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Mark E. Mark. <laughs> Good. That was that was well done. I'm impressed. <clears throat> so, uh, what we're going to talk about today, and, and Jordan has actually an article that he's going to call back to um, and read. I would assume here in a, here in a moment is that earlier or late last week, I guess, uh, the world's wealthiest individual, um, Elon Musk, bought the very let's say well known um, social media platform twitter making him the first african-american owner of a large social media conglomerate because he's from south africa <laughs> get your brains on right people <laughs> so um in in light of that because there we're going to stay away from the political side largely here but um Elon's kind of goal there from what he has stated very publicly is to make it a truly more um, accessible platform to all viewpoints, because even objectively speaking, if you're looking at it, if you can be objective, you can look at it and you go, okay, well, this is really silencing one type of voice and amplifying others. Um, some of the others that are being amplified are bots. In fact, uh, some of it just isn't it's one political viewpoint or another and it doesn't matter which point of view it is um because the if you're listening to this and you go yeah but those voices needed to be no they don't you're you're incorrect there like objectively speaking if you believe in true free speech which is what he's aiming for there is no censor on that the correction for bad speech is better speech not less of it so um <clears throat> in light of that a lot of people are doing what they do in corporate world right now and they're virtue signaling and they're going hey look at us we support you we support we, we're we're all about equality except for not you guys <laughs> because as we all know all animals are equal but some are more equal than others right of course so um that's what they're doing right now and they're what they're doing by way of that is pulling advertising dollars um marketing dollars broadly uh, I think that uh, what we should probably do, Jordan, you tell me, is go ahead and read that so that we have a little bit more context that's not just Brandon up on his soapbox. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it's actually a pretty short read. Uh, cool. And so, first of all, this is coming from the Wall Street Journal. Okay. And this article is from just uh, November 1st. Yep. And Three here goes. Ago. Yeah. Okay. Two large advertising companies recommended that their clients temporarily pause their paid advertising on Twitter. The latest example of Madison Avenue's cautious stance towards the site after Elon Musk's takeover. Quote, 
This, the current situation is unpredictable and chaotic, and bad actors and unsafe behaviors can thrive in such an environment. Interpublic groups of, of COS, COS, I'm not sure, mm. wrote in an email Monday that was reviewed by the Wall Street Journal. At this moment, we cannot confidently state that Twitter is a safe place for brands. Another marketing, another advertising company, Havas Media, is also recommending that clients temporarily pause their Twitter ads in the U.S. because of concerns about the company's ability to monitor its content, according to people familiar with the matter. Naturally, a Twitter spokesperson declined to comment. And the last paragraph, Mr. Musk has begun meeting with top advertising executives to try to reassure them about the direction of Twitter and has offered to meet with clients directly, according to people familiar with the matter. Twitter staffers reached out to several top advertising holding company executives this past weekend to set up meetings for Mr. Musk this week, according to some of the people. Oh, actually, it's, it goes on a little bit further. Oh, okay, do it. But after he closed the $44 billion purchase of the social media company, Mr. Musk wrote on Twitter that the site, quote, cannot become a free-for-all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences, end quote. The interpublic email cited research that showed a rise in inappropriate behavior on the site since the company was taken private. Quote, it's reasonable to expect that bad actors may feel emboldened given Musk's statements about being a free speech absolutist and his more recent sharing of conspiracy theories. The email read, Interpublic said it would work with clients who had non-cancelable Twitter contracts to modify their contract terms. Brands typically rely on agencies to help determine where to spend their ad dollars. Morning Brew, an email newsletter publisher, earlier reported on the IPG pause in a Twitter post. Twitter executives have been working overtime since Mr. Musk's takeover to temper advertisers' concerns that the billionaire could soften content moderation. Advertising accounted for 89% of Twitter's $5.08 billion revenue last year. On Tuesday, a coalition of more than 40 civil society groups published an open letter to the 20 brands that spent the most time on Twitter. The letter called on them to suspend their ad spending. There's a lot of spend and pend going on in that sentence. Again, yep. the letter called on them to suspend their ad spending if Mr. Musk follows through on his plans to undermine brand safety and community standards, including gutting content moderation. Twitter's head of safety and integrity, Yoel Roth, wrote in a series of Monday evening tweets that the company was focused on addressing what he described as a surge in hateful conduct on Twitter. Quote, we've made measurable progress, removing more than 1,500 accounts and reducing impressions on this content to nearly zero. End quote. And the last bit here, advertising executives said they were disheartened about the departure of Sarah Personette, one of Twitter's top ad executives who announced her resignation on Tuesday. Miss Personette, a former ad agency executive, also sent an email to top ad buyers on Monday to share an update amid what she called, quote, a lot of attention and rumors, end quote, according to the email, which was reviewed by the Wall Street Journal. She wrote that Twitter's policies had not changed and that Mr. Musk was, quote, deeply engaged in product and engineering, end quote. She added, he wants to ship exciting things and he wants to do it quickly. Okay. So it, a couple things that we should note, they're just kind of factual items. Twitter is no longer a publicly held company. It is purely private uh, people, to the best of my knowledge, people that held public shares. Um, they've been cashed out. Um, 
some of them taking that money and sinking it directly into Doge because there's a... I don't want to say it's a reputable rumor, but they say a rumor that Dogecoin will become the kind of like currency of the realm in terms of actual uh, purchases and things on Twitter, which would be great because I'm sitting on a bunch of Doge. <laughs> and that's like one of Musk's like pet endeavors, right? It's not his not really. doing, but I think he, I thought he was invested in that to some degree. He is. Uh, he is. And, and uh, a couple of years ago, he <clears throat> Twitter, <clears throat> good Lord, tweeted. God, sorry to the people that had to listen to that. Um, he tweeted, uh, something about Doge to the moon or something like this kind of with the diamond hands and all that stuff. Um, and it took off and I got some right before that, bought it way cheap and, um, a good amount up, but I haven't sold. So nothing's up until you sell it. So, so there's that. Um, yeah. So, okay. Do you know how profitable Twitter has been over its history, Jordan? My understanding is that for roughly the last decade, maybe just shy of that, they have not been profitable. Which means they've never been profitable. <laughs> so Twitter's not a profitable platform. In fact, that's one of the things that uh, they, they, they struggled with. And so when Elon came in and actually made an offer, I forget what it was. It was like $40 a share or like something, like, 50, yeah. something like that. But Twitter at the time was sitting, was trading in like, four dollars like 40 or something i mean it was an obscenely overpriced off 10 percent mm. over what he should have been paying for it but but he did and now granted he didn't just bust out a checkbook and fork over 44 billion dollars for instance uh there are a couple of people that held chunks of twitter um one uh in the saudi royal family in fact who <clears throat> held a certain amount of twitter and i think that the way that the deal went down as i understand it is uh he was said, keep your money in it. You will hold those shares, but they're not common shares that Jordan or Brandon could buy, right? You will just have X percentage of this breakdown and what have you. So there are outside investors, but Elon is the chief twit, as he puts it, on his uh, Twitter bio. <clears throat> so I, I think that uh, they're not a profitable platform. They're talking about all this free for all. Again, that that thing that y'all Roth, who is short, uh, he may have been fired this morning. I'm not sure. Um, alluding to they're like, Oh, this type of speech. But the problem is, and this is always a problem, right? Is that it's not framed. I don't think that that's, it, it may be accurate, but it's accurate through a lens. Um, I think that a lot of people who have spent time the first, you're going to have people, you're going to have jerks and, and everything. Um, there are people we were, you know, Halloween was this past week. I go trick or treat with my kids <clears throat> and there's very trusting people apparently in our neighborhood that put the freaking bowl on the thing with candy in it. I'm like, you guys are morons. Now my kids, is that, is that trusting or lazy? A little bit of both. A little column A, a little column B. <laughs> so my kids go up to the thing and I'm like, just take one simple as that. But, uh, but they're going to be like a whole teenagers my daughter's classmates <laughs> that are going to go up there and be like, you dummies, <laughs> you know, the same kids are going to go in TP houses and what have you. And I know those are kind of on a different scale. One is vandalism. One is not, but you know, you're going to have people that are going to come out and they're going to flame and just see what they can get away with. Right. How this is Twitter, you know, but uh, there are certain things that you weren't able to say on Twitter. You couldn't post 
certain uh, studies <clears throat> from the CDC. Um, odd, oddly, since the CDC was the one that was guiding Twitter prior to Musk taking over on, on vaccine efficacy, uh, you couldn't post those because you would get kicked off of Twitter, even though it was literally a uh, peer-reviewed study from the CDC or, or what have you. So it's just kind of uh, ironic. I wonder when, when Yul Roth is talking about that, <clears throat> I, I have a feeling it's through a lens from the advertising piece. Again, it's virtue signaling. I think that these, I understand where they're, I really do objectively understand what they're saying. They're trying to guide their clients and say, Oh, well, we don't want this to become this hellscape. Frankly, if I were Elon, I would have gone in and scorched earth on all these people. I'd have been like, screw you. You don't want to advertise, get the hell out. There's the door you're not welcome back. And if you are welcome back, our ads are $5 a click. You're going to pay 20. Go scorched earth. Um, who cares? Because when you try to placate, it's like you don't ever say, if you're a public figure, don't ever say you're sorry. Don't. Because as soon as you do, the mob will rip you apart. And I think that this is a bit of a, I don't know. I think it's a bit in that direction. I think this is a mistake. I can understand what they're saying, if I were in the agency's position, I would approach, I may actually approach from a not too dissimilar standpoint, but I would say, listen, let's kind of freeze where we're at. Let's not increase, decrease. Let's just see where we're at and stay there in terms of advertising spending on Twitter. But let's just be aware that there are going to be changes in the coming month that are going to uh, either increase or decrease uh, click-through rate or for instance or whatever that is and so we may actually be in a better position or a worse position so let's let's kind of step back and take the temperature a little bit and then see which direction to go i think that this stuff is a political knee-jerk virtue signal that is not going to play well for anybody in the long run thoughts <laughs> absolutely I, I i could not concur more on that point anything in my experience in front of from what I've witnessed, that is a knee-jerk reaction. That is a brash, blanket, generalized response to any event that arises. It almost always does not look well in the hindsight of nope. the future. Right. Yep. And one thing that really stands out to me uh, as a side note is Twitter today, right? The, the speculation is that perhaps as of this morning, Friday, November 4th, there's some speculation that up to 50% uh, of existing Twitter employees have been canned. Mm -hmm. uh, and it hasn't been announced like many companies do, cutting off X percentage. It's kind of just been done, I wouldn't say underhandedly, just quietly. What shocks me is that for essentially all of Twitter's existence, it hasn't been profitable yet. They hovered around 3,000 employees up until 2019. And today they're at, well, up until this morning at least, they were up to <laughs> 7,500 employees. Yep. 7,500. 7, so just within the last three years, they've doubled, if not more, in size in terms of employee footprint. And they're, they're still seeing, obviously they're trying, but it makes me wonder... Um, which is to Elon's point that it appears there were, I think he said, 10 people managing for every one person coding. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's always had a an, an anti-managerial 
approach or I should yep. say like a slim. He wants the people that are doing the work, uh, not, not managing the managers of the managers. Um, to me, it would seem that old Twitter pre Elon Twitter was trying to throw bodies at a situation, which, uh, clearly I think we can say was not the right solution. Of course, COVID kind of threw things off. So maybe their grand visions they had for 2020 were totally thrown out the window. Um, so I guess it's, it's hard to say objectively what yeah. happened there. I think my, my overarching thought on this angle is more people does not necessarily equal better product or, or better company. Um, and yeah, it, it makes me think about the advertisers, right? These two ad agencies that made the news, probably there were many other mid-sized and smaller size that took the same approach towards their clients and said, well, hey, if these big dogs are advising, you know, the the general mills of the war the world, the the Oreo makers, <laughs> the Pfizer's, right? If they're advising them to pause or cancel their spending and try to escape their non-cancelable contracts, surely other people are going to be following suit, which I don't know. I, I just think that this leaves an opportunity for for people to get in. I, I'm not sure exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think there's a, there's an opportunity here for, for people to jump in uh, in this Twitter space, if that makes sense for their business. Yeah, and, and I would add, it's... <clears throat> I don't know. I think that one of the things that uh, we should also mention kind of as a factual thing, and this came out last week or earlier this week, I forget the timeline's a little hazy right now, but um, is that social platforms, specifically Twitter and Facebook, have been proven to be directly colluding with what they publish with the United States government. Um, now, I won't get into too many specifics of that, save to say that this is not a rumor. This is a confirmed thing. Like we have, for instance, Facebook's takedown page. Uh, that is a direct violation, a direct violation of the First Amendment. I don't care who you are. Um, they can't, the government can't do that. They cannot also try to sway a private actor, in this case, Twitter, which was not private, but it was a private company or a, I guess publicly traded company, but still a company that was not a, a publicly um, a public sector uh, organization. They cannot do that. That is illegal. And and one could surmise that <clears throat> by way of that uh, collusion, part of what is probably on its way, I would assume, and I, I think that Musk probably will avoid liability on this because that liability will likely fall prior to this relationship that he has now established. Um there are some of those takedown things that would then benefit private companies and a public private. So basically government colluding with uh, corporations. Uh, if you know who Benito Mussolini is, maybe you guys know who he is. He's a fascist. And that's exactly what that was, is corporate fascism. And it was uh, a state and public entity partnership. And that's what that was. And so I think that we're looking at some of that, uh, ob a very direct violation of the, the First Amendment. I think there's going to be, heads are going to roll on that. Um, and again, if, if you're listening to this and you're going, Brandon, how dare you? You are this or that. 
you're wrong. You need to take your lens off and try to look at it through a very objective lens. And I know that's difficult. I, I find that difficult with some of the things that I might think, right? I think that blue crab is the greatest food on earth. And some people are like seafood. Ew. So I don't really care about you person that doesn't like blue crab. So shut it. But <laughs> wow, that went afield. But, <laughs> wow. You're wearing a blue hoodie today. Bob. Yeah. But in this case, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's just one of those things that I think that like you're saying, Jordan, it's a mistake. There's a lot of information yet to come out. I do like, it's funny throwing numbers at it. You mentioned that. So to my mind, more numbers equals less oversight. Uh, oddly enough, you would think that it would mean more because theoretically you could have X number more people looking at the, this particular tweet or whatever it is to see if it needs to stay up or what have you. Fine. But what it also means is that then you get too many cooks in the kitchen really um <clears throat> the other thing is that we should look at <laughs> twitter employees on video this is anybody you guys can find this it's video um ha admit that they're like well i think i worked four hours uh in the last two weeks because you know i just had to take all these mental health days because elon shut up shut up <laughs> shut up if you if you have a mental challenge like that um I, that's fine you do you go away seriously go sit on a beach somewhere please take care of yourself i'm dead serious but don't call it working because what they're doing there and and i saw somebody i forget how they said it earlier today but all they're doing is getting into twitter they're they're making over five percent of the platform some rumor up to 25 percent of the platform as bots just to pump up their user base to pump up the public shares now that those don't matter but the share price so they could cash out they were using it as a ponzi scheme and it's as simple that's what the person said they were using mm -hmm. it as a ponzi scheme to overvalue a stock for a company that had no value because they don't make a profit right they don't have assets other than I guess some real estate and server farms somewhere, but like, that's it. It was a Ponzi scheme. And now Elon is coming in and yeah, I don't, I get it. Listen, people are pissed because when your livelihood, even if your livelihood is complete BS <laughs> is threatened and you get backed into a corner, that's when you're most dangerous. Like an animal out in the open, a small mouse isn't going to do anything. They're going to run away from you. But if you put it in the corner, they will come after you straight up they will lose but they will come after you <laughs> they're gonna so try. they're gonna try and i think that's a lot of where i think that's a lot of where people are i again i just think that these they're they're gonna I, I, these agencies these madison avenue agencies by the way if if you guys haven't uh so the the show mad men and if you have watched this you probably know this but Matt, that's where that came from madison avenue mad um that's where all the big advertising firms in in new york are and were historically um i think that they're going to spin it because these people that are great at spin it's really fascinating um they're going to spin it and be like oh no we're doing it because we're it's our fiduciary duty for the and, and it may be but telling them to cut it off in an obvious political move is not wise in my opinion so we shall see exactly the, it will all come out right it will uh, and and we'll we'll talk about it i'm sure months from now yes uh, you know there is there is some concern for for musk right there's um california 
is the place of policies and rules and regulations. And there mm-hmm. is one uh, that's abbreviated uh, as or acronymized, made into an acronym as WARN, which is the Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification. And there is growing concern that under this law, Musk would have had to provide in writing within 60 days before doing this, what we now believe is a mass layoff, a 60-day written warning that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we know for a fact that that did not happen. Now, of course, this may just be in litigation for years. And yep. uh, and, and that's, that's usually in the defendant's best um, in their best interest, right? They can just throw it into the appeals process uh, over and over. There's probably some merit to this law being potentially uh, avoided um, uh, to not being followed. That being said, I wonder what the cutoff is. If it was like, well, it was only 49% of the company and not 50, uh, you know, maybe these people that, uh, these beautiful Twitter employees, which I'm sure are are perfectly fine human beings, um, but they had this, uh, they had tremendous benefits, right? They, they had pet insurance. Uh, yep. They got free chef made meals on a regular basis. There's a lot of things that they, they had going for them in their cocoon. Uh, but as a business owner, how can you, it's your, your interest to provide the product or service for your clients. Uh, and it's in your interest to do that, to keep your employees happy, but you can't do any of it if you're a sinking ship. So, you have to you have to get that um, you have to get those expenses under control, and that's exactly what what Musk is doing. I think that with those the so the Warren thing and what you're talking about is the class action lawsuit that was filed I think late yesterday or early today. Uh, I don't think that'll go anywhere. A, a California is a dumpster fire of a state. Like we know this, uh, everybody knows this. Um, but what's interesting about that is those people, as we were talking about, if they colluded to violate federal law the constitution of the United States, the foundational document of law in the United States, uh, that will be completely null and void. And he can just tell them to suck it. And that'll be the end of that. I mean, sure. The, the, it'll go to federal court and what have you, but they're going to be like, Hey, I'm sure there's a clause in that act. I would imagine that says all these things apply unless you do this. And if you violated federal law or you did this or, you know, uh, there, it, when you, when you break the law, a lot of things stop protecting you. Like a lot of things stop protecting you and all these people. So uh, he could be like, Hey, great. Yeah. 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 Warren act and all that crap. Fine. But listen, why don't we take a look at you, what you're really doing over here? They they were for the love of God. And by the way, these all these people, I don't want to, uh, Twitter's going to be held. Now that Elon's, hey, there was literal child porn being traded on Twitter until very recently. And there may still be, I'm sure. I mean, you can't come in and tr- turn things off. But just hardcore porn. And you want to tell me that now you're worried about it being a house? Get the hell out of here. So I think that, I, I understand. I think that, that these people better, if, you, if you're going to kind of... Uh, What's the term? Oh, those who live in glass houses should not throw stones. And I think that this class action lawsuit is a big fat rock. (laughs) And it's like, come on. (laughs) What do I know? Right. What do I know? (laughs) Are you sure they were throwing stones or was it brimstones? 
brimstones <laughs> which is a it's got to be a kind of stone it's a it's a stone that is full to the brim apparently so i did look it up uh did you? apparently i know this is wildly tangential but a brimstone is an archaic name for sulfur oh there you go so it smells like rotten eggs and farts <laughs> well that sounds incredible like like what i eat for breakfast every morning it's, there you go you eat farts for breakfast <laughs> <laughs> isn't that from like an adam sandler movie yeah. i eat pieces of ish like you for breakfast <laughs> <laughs> you eat pieces of ish for breakfast yeah. Do you like my self-censor there, Jordan? Oh, I I, I totally approve. Because <laughs> uh, I'm never fast enough to hit the button. I think it's okay. like Happy Gilmore or something. Is Maybe. it? I think it's something I, like that. <clears throat> anyway. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Good Lord. So this brings me kind of, uh, and we talked about kind of bringing this up is like, where well, where could this go? As you're looking, you, the business owner, the marketing manager, the decision maker in terms of a lot of the marketing We'll call it marketing energy. And I say energy because I think that word can be used kind of interchangeably to mean money, can mean time, it can mean effort, whatever it is. Um, so where a lot of that marketing energy goes. <clears throat> if Twitter is something that you have successfully used, great. Frankly, I'd love to hear because I don't think that Twitter... I think that Twitter is kind of just almost for a brand awareness piece and that's it. You do have the occasional person uh, person or entity, I guess, like Wendy's. I think Wendy's is, uh, it was, it's either their Twitter. Uh, it's a particularly snarky Twitter. It's yes. hilarious. <laughs> These people just go throw in shade everywhere. And I think that's brilliant and it, there's a viral element to it, but I have to wonder and this, when, when we're talking to most SMBs, right? So small to medium sized businesses, w when we're talking to those people, part of that energy expenditure has to be time. And w what does it do in the long run? Is it going to actually bring your ideal client and the ideal, the word ideal is the operative word there. Is it going to bring an ideal client into the door? And being snarky on Twitter as Wendy's, is that going to make somebody go, well, hell, I was going to buy some Arby's, but <laughs> screw that. I'm going over here to the redheaded chick. Maybe. <laughs> I don't care how many meats they got. That's right. We have the meats. And so it's, I, I, that's what I kind of wonder is that like, is Twitter worth that energy in terms of an outgoing, like an outbound ongoing campaign? Um, <clears throat> and I should also say that uh, you have to be careful with any platform. And so in 2013, I was working for a running shoe brand, uh, which is based out of Boulder. I was the director of social media marketing over there. Um, and I was at the Boston Marathon. And we had been, uh, the company I worked for and I, we were at the town of Newton, Massachusetts, which was right before Heartbreak Hill, right about mile 20-ish um, of the marathon. And we're cheering and what have you. And then I headed down to the finish line uh, because I was going to, interview people that were wearing the shoes of the brand that I used to work for. And so I go into my hotel, which is kind of just like three or four blocks or something like that from the finish line from Boston common area there. Um, and I dumped my SD cards because uh, I had a ton of pictures on them and I needed empty cards to take video and what have you. And I start to walk out the door and I get a text message from my um, 
my then mother-in-law and she's like are you okay and i was like what are you talking about are you okay and the bombing had just happened and so then i like stayed in my hotel room for the next two days and then when i went to fly back to colorado got interviewed by the fbi and so it's a whole thing um and the interview was like 10 seconds don't get it twisted and they they were like do you know anything about this i was like no they were like cool go ahead (laughs) so um but the the larger point there is that the day that that bombing happened um tragic tragic day but there were people that had used twitter facebook um i forget what else but just let's just say those two things and had scheduled posts and it was company big companies like national brands like coca-cola and nabisco or something like that right and they had scheduled those things out bombing and just happened 10 minutes before and they're like hey runners you deserve a coke and i was like what now so to caveat myself i do not know that coca-cola did that i don't know i'm just using them as a stand-in but it was so tone deaf and it wasn't their fault they did we uh, no one expected anything like this of course um except for mark Wahlberg. so no one expected anything like that because he had the movie the patriot (laughs) i haven't seen it (laughs) oh yeah patriot's day yeah he should he's a cop at the finish line um so it's not their fault but when you put a ton of time and energy into some of these things the especially if you start scheduling things which is to ostensibly say well i'm going to schedule social media posts whether it's twitter facebook instagram whatever it is and you're not too if you're not cautious and don't have like a kill switch on that it can wind up uh going not your way and then it has a negative turn but in any event i think that where you spend your time energy or let's just say energy as an organization they're not all the same because that ideal client and i was i think i may have brought this up last week uh we were talking about this general contractor who uh, is a potential client of ours at Mondo, um, who I actually need to call here in about an hour. <laughs> he, um, he, a uh, little bit older than I am, I think. I'm 44. I think he's 47 or eight or something like that. Um, super nice guy. And we were having a conversation. I was like, yeah, you know, you're, and he's doing very high-end uh, remodels and like doing brain these amazing kitchens and bathrooms and full home remodels in boulder and if you don't know the home market in boulder it's a very pricey very pricey area and i said to him i was like you know you don't want to spend energy such as it is on tiktok because that's not your ideal audience right your ideal audience has disposable income so what does that look like now granted in boulder if you have the income to live in boulder if you're young uh, there's a pretty good chance that you work at some startup, you get paid, you know, seven figures to roll out of the bed in the morning. That's fine. But generally speaking, the people that are in TikTok skew younger. They're not going to have the disposable income. That's probably not your target audience. So why spend time and energy there? I mean, I guess if you have a crap load of marketing dollars kicking around that you want to, fine. But so I suggested that the people, now Facebook skews kind of older, being at the other end of that. And I guess we could kind of talk about where Facebook's trajectory is because it's, I don't want to say that it's necessarily in a decline. I think it's in kind of like finding its stasis a little bit. Um, but if you're somebody who's looking for a homeowner in a particular geography who has disposable income, Facebook is probably a better spot for you to spend energy. So I think that 
it takes a lot of, you know, we did that persona thing two weeks ago. It takes a lot of that kind of self-examination. Um, get your mind out of the gutter people. I just said (laughs) self-examination. That's terrible. It takes a lot of introspection, if you will, to be able to determine, well, where am I going to spend time and energy? Um, you know, I have a friend, um, who owns a restaurant, uh, here in my, my town and, um, restaurants are notoriously tough for marketing. Uh, you can spend a lot of, uh, time and energy on socials and SEO, I think is a part of anything to be frank, but where you're going to spend quick result ad dollars is a very tricky thing because the margins at a restaurant are razor thin, you know? And so for me, he and I were kind of discussing it. And then I, I'm going to be discussing it with our team internally to maybe look at something like Nextdoor where you can really go and hyper focus on a market. And it's been within the last six months that Nextdoor has been opened up, truly opened up to agencies to work with it the way that we would work with Facebook or something else like that. So I, I just think that it's not enough to just go, Oh, well, everybody's on Twitter or Facebook or fill in the blank. We're going to throw energy at it. That's not necessarily the case. Although I will say everybody, I have another guy, another potential client who is kind of a GC, but kind of not a GC. And I said, and he's kind of just starting his company. And I said, go nail down while you're, you know, you have your company name, go nail down your Instagram, your Twitter, your Facebook, go nail it down now. Oh, you're already talking over my head. And I was like, I'm not though. Go nail those things down because somebody will take it. And as soon as you think, oh, no one's going to want my company name. Guess what? Not true. They're going to do it. Somebody did it to Disney. Do you remember this? Somebody bought Disney.com. Bought it because they, now this was like 20 some years ago. They let it lapse and somebody went on GoDaddy was like, yoink, (laughs) bought (laughs) Disney.com. Same thing with Hotmail. They put a back order on Hotmail.com through like GoDaddy or something stupid and it lapsed. Microsoft let, because Microsoft owns Hotmail, as you know, let it lapse. And at the time, now Hotmail, I mean, yes, it's still a big deal, but it's not as big as a deal as it was 20 years ago. They wound up owning Hotmail. And then Microsoft was like, bro, you need to get that back. <laughs> and they were like, screw you. And I think they, now there are laws in place and you can, you can own a domain for kind of in perpetuity. It doesn't need to be like, you know basically lessons learned there but i said to this guy i was like go buy these things now or you don't even have to buy them there's no buying he's like can you do that for me i was like yes but you have to pay us to do like that's what we do <laughs> that's our job or you could just go do it yourself and take 20 minutes to like lock down these platforms i mean and he was just like nah i was like bro come on anyway i think where you spend your time and energy from a marketing standpoint deserves much more examination than just this blanket oh i hear a lot about snapchat so i'm going to spend ten thousand dollars a month over there why if your ideal client doesn't spend time there what do you get out of it sorry i'm talking a lot thoughts <laughs> yeah no I've, I've many thoughts it's a situation where there is no one size fits all yes good way even it. if it's even if it's the same industry for a given company the reality of it is Sure. Based on our insights, based on our experiences, based on your experiences. Yep. Yeah. We probably have an inkling. You probably have an inkling. The royal we together, as you always like to say, yep. we probably have a 
a strong, educated guess as to which social media platforms will probably work best for you and your company. That mm -hmm. being said, there's always sleepers, right? Yep. And, and there, there is no harm except for a relatively small dollar amount to experimenting on different platforms. You can look at the Facebooks of the world and say, essentially, every human walking the planet or sitting on the planet, whatever, every human on Earth has a Facebook account, right? There's some three billion people mm -hmm. who knows what the breakdown is of bots and not for any of these platforms. Truthfully, I don't even think the companies uh, objectively know. They probably have a better guess than we do. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you look at Facebook with three billion or whatever it is today, and you look at Twitter, that's like whatever thirteenth on the list, and they have yeah. only only four hundred eighty million users. You would say, well. Why would I not go ahead and just target Facebook, right? And 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 you can look at breakdowns of demographics. You can say, oh, okay, well, Facebook, as you're saying, maybe they trend uh, towards towards the older people at this point in time, in this point in history, uh, and they are therefore more likely to have savings, money, mm -hmm. where they can spend. Uh, and and then you look at Twitter and you think you see, uh, well, maybe uh, stats I've seen recently: twenty five percent of uh, of U.S. adults are on there, and just like 37% of them uh, make more than $75,000 a year. Well, there's still there's still a base there, right? There, there's still a an audience uh, that is capable of of receiving that of receiving your message. And even I think of Twitter, and I'm not sure how much you use Twitter, but I. I if I go to Twitter, it's for really informational. It's it's really like an mm -hmm. objective thing. Of course, uh, I think a lot of people are sharing more likely to share real time information and start a discourse or a dialogue on Twitter than than they may be inclined to on other platforms. Mm -hmm. And I I don't use Twitter to see those opinions that spawn from a given topic. But if I'm if there's some breaking news event, I'm definitely gonna have Tweetbot yeah. up or yep. my Twitter account up and have it pinned to the top so that the latest information comes in. You know, like that's what I did last year when Formula One was going through its uh, dramatic final final race uh, conclusion that decided the battle between Sir Lewis Hamilton and uh, Max Verstappen, who is a crybaby. I'm just going to throw it out there right now. <laughs> fight me. Fight Shade me. Shade throw into Max Verstappen. <laughs> Look at that. I'll win. Don't. Yeah, but bring it. Uh, but I, I also think that Lewis Hamilton is a bit of a crybaby. I got to be <laughs> honest. Of course. I Two mean, things yes. can be true at once. <laughs> That's fair. I, I will hold opposing thoughts. It's possible. <laughs> but and just, just one more stat, right? You can look at stats. You can make up stats. Stats for days. Yeah. Um, and, but there are some facts out there that the click-through rate on ads for Twitter hover around 2%, generally speaking. And for Facebook, it's under half of that. Mm. Um, you could also say, well, the cost to get my ad in front of a million eyes is double the cost on Twitter and mm. half as much on Facebook. So it's, right. it's, so it's a, wash. Uh, you know, a dozen of one, yeah, yeah, six of the other. That being said, my... My bottom line is we can have educated guesses. Those are very helpful to have a strong starting point. But at the end of the day, you really do need to experiment and, and play around with it because you, may, you might never, uh, you might not realize that your best bang for your buck in ad dollar spend is going to come from a platform 
maybe you did not suspect yep. uh, it would come from. And I would say in this, I don't mean this to be, <laughs> I hope, I hope our, our regular listeners, all you beautiful subscribers out there, so uh, but even people that are listening to this for the first time, like it, we don't, we don't jump on here and just pitch. Um, but I will say that in, in a, it's not veiled. I mean, it just is what it is. This is kind of our uh, order of our, our modus operandi, if you will. But that at Mondo, we don't do a contract thing specifically so that we can do a contract, right? But we don't want to because we don't want people to get stuck into using a platform because for us, it's very client first. Um, I've uh, been at other agencies where it, it is very sale first. It's very much sale first. And the client's results are a distant, distant afterthought. Um, you can tell that because a lot of those agencies um, have to put uh, kind of tautologies in front of uh, what they do instead of just their actions. So um, <clears throat> in those cases, um, it's like, well, you have to use Facebook. You're on a 12 month contract. And then you let's, and this is a hypothetical. This is not based on any specific example, but you go three months in, you go, Hey, Facebook is really taking this downturn for us. We want to put energy over here on Instagram, whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, great. Well, we can do that because we can just shift those things. And I think that that's really the way to go because it serves the client best. Uh, and I mean that. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday who's a former client who will be a client again. And, and that's exactly what we talked about. I said, it has to be client first. And because at the end of the day, if you're looking at it from a sales perspective, if I have taught, and I think we've talked about this before, but if, if I, the sales guy and Jordan, the person on the execution end of the <laughs> implementation of what I sell, <clears throat> um, if we make it so that you, Mr. And Mrs. Business owner kick ass you're going to be begging to throw money at us. So yes, there's this altruistic side to it, but it's also self-serving. I like money. <laughs> like I like that, but I, but I, I get the dopamine hit of seeing you succeed. And then you're going to be turning around and going, Oh my gosh, can I do this? Can we throw more money? Can we use more energy to go in this direction? Um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's, that's a strong way to look at it. Um, and choosing those platforms. There's something else I was going to say that I totally forget about, but I think that that is one of the things that gets missed uh, is, is getting locked into something, you know, I, I don't, yeah, it's, it can be frustrating when I see clients, especially people that rent their websites from their agencies. Oh, this is what I was going to tell you. So this is a great story. <clears throat> I think it's a great story to people who aren't interested in marketing. You're going to be like, <laughs> so, <laughs> to me, it's a great story. Yeah, please share, One, like, subscribe now before he yeah, shares Yes, that's right. So <clears throat> I used to work <clears throat> at this other agency that only did, from a marketing aspect, they build amazing websites, um, Python-based websites, which are largely overkill, but amazing websites and then um, uh, SEO, purely SEO. Now, the challenge with that is that SEO is great. Every company should have solid SEO, but, and we're not going to get into the nuts and bolts of SEO, but SEO is like, as you know, Jordan, <laughs> turning the Titanic. If you're a roofer and there's a hailstorm 50 miles away from where your home base is, it's going to be very difficult to market there using purely SEO. 
because a hail event is unpredictable. It is in one place. You don't know. But there's no ability to just turn it over in this direction. Adds different story. You can mark it. You go, hey, there's a hailstorm in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and we're we're a roofing company in Fort Collins, Colorado. And you go, but I really want to go and do some business in Santa Fe. Great. If there's a hailstorm that comes through, you call your you can do it yourself, or you call your agency and you're like, boom, throw some money in that direction. So that's a very obscenely high level different between SEO and ads. So anyway, I was prospecting into concrete uh, because concrete, I, when I, from a sales perspective, when I'm looking at new people to, to, for clients and industries, rather, I like to look at industries that have a need. They're not, I, I want necessarily. And concrete is in that place. Typically speaking, if somebody's calling a concrete company, it's because they have a, they need to replace their driveway because there's a big crack in it or a pipe burst under it or whatever. Right. So I was looking into concrete and I, I forget, I don't know the search. This is years ago. And I pull up this search term and I look down at the bottom and you know, the Google ads, you have the three on top and two or three at the bottom, whatever it is, depending on the SERP. Go down to the bottom and there's a ad on the bottom of this page for like, you know, concrete companies, Longmont, Colorado or whatever, that was for a tantric yoga studio. And I was like, what? The <laughs> a, I don't know what tantric yoga is. There's it like sounds a, kinky. It does. There's like a breath holding thing. I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> so anyway, I was like under concrete. It's like, hey, we can come and pave your driveway. We can do this. <laughs> also, tantric yoga. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Now, we didn't do ads at the time, but I felt so bad for these people. I called them and I was like, hey, listen. And, and that's a weird thing, right? Because I have to go, I'm a sales guy. I'm not trying to sell you. If you would like to have that conversation, I'm happy to. But I just want you to know, concrete clicks, concrete clicks are like $30 a click or something. They're very expensive. Tantric yoga clicks are like a dollar. I don't know, not $30. And I said, and, and look, the revenue of a, your average tantric yoga studio in Boulder, Colorado is probably not that great. So $30 per click, you get 10 of those. Guess what? You're out 300 bucks and there's nothing you can do about it. So what they had done, I guess they were, I called them and I was like, listen, you guys got to turn your ads off quickly and fix whatever you're doing. And I think they had just been like, Hey Google, here's some ad dollars, throw them in Boulder, Colorado. And I was like, what else are you ranking for? Are, you know, are you ranking for like the ubiquitous pint glass that I always see? This is an Ironman Wisconsin pint glass. Um, are, are you ranking for stuff? Who cares? You know, you're a tantric yoga studio. I said, turn them off. And they were spending time and energy doing that because they didn't know what they were doing. And look, could they learn to do what we do? Hell yeah. Look, I could learn. I was talking to a former roofing client friend of mine. Um, and I was like, hey man, I could go on YouTube right now and learn how to put on a roof at expert level right now. And he was like, oh, he started laughing. I was like, you think I'm joking? <laughs> I was like, you can do what I do or what we do at Mondo. I don't want to pretend to do the same thing as Jordan, but like you could do what we do. There's, a, you could learn to build a nuclear bomb on YouTube for the love of God. But are you gonna? No. Oh, hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> not that example. <laughs> no. But, you know, people, 
the, the, yes, you can do all these things yourself, but where somebody like us comes in is that a, we're objective. We're not you. We don't care how many certifications from GAF or whatever you have to put on this type of shingle or that. We're objective. So we're going to ask the question, where is your ideal client? Oh, they're in Colorado. Are they? Are they in all of Colorado? Because something like 70% of Colorado is like uninhabited. <laughs> so they're not just in Colorado. Are they, are the, you're probably at the I-25 corridor and then parts of I-70 and then the Western slope to some degree. Like that's part of it. Who is your ideal client? Oh, it's anybody who's got a house. Really? Do they own it? Do they rent it? How many square feet? What's their average income? How many square feet in Boulder is a different, how many square feet than it is in Firestone because you can get twice the house in Firestone that you could in Boulder for the same price tag. I mean, these are questions that we know how to ask and i think that it what we what, what i i'm sure you jordan jordan as well and i'll shut up in a second so you can tell me but i don't we don't want to sit there and waste our clients dollars because quite frankly i would rather them spend that dollar get 10 back for it so that they can spend 10 more with me because i like money as i mentioned before thoughts <laughs> sorry yeah it you touch on so many great points and I will say I really enjoyed your concrete example. Was, yeah. It was very, but I was thinking of concrete and I'm thinking of getting the best bang for your buck and being mm -hmm. objective with the client. And it really is in many ways, the flow, the process is the opposite of concrete. Yes. Concrete is porous. I actually didn't know that till like the last year <laughs> in many ways the relationship and the way we would approach any client, every client is, is very much like water. It's like that Bruce Lee quote, be formless, be shapeless, yep. be like water. Yep. Right. That's why, you know, where contracts are concrete, they lock you in. Um, you, you see the benefits from a business, uh, from the provider with, with contracts, you know, yep. uh, you can anticipate X amount of money at Y amount of time and therefore you are more able to keep around Z amount of employees, mm -hmm. but it's not in it almost with few exceptions. I think it's not in the best interest of, of the client of the person mm -hmm. that has a company that wants to drive more business. And while they're turning that Titanic around, they also need some more business to come in before that SEO on the Titanic is, is yep. ready for them. Um, and that's where the adaptability being like water, being able to, Yes, maybe uh, there will be some dollars, small dollars spent experimenting in different platforms. But as soon as you land on a working solution and you can say, hey, look, your cost per click are in the right spot. And more importantly, you're getting conversions and the cost for those yep. conversions on this platform are are doing exceedingly well, or at least they're doing good enough. You're, you're turning a, a two to one, a five to one ratio, whatever, whatever that looks like, you're making more than you're putting into it. And the game is, it's, it's really kind of a game. There's science to it and there's art to it. And it's all about finding that sweet spot for that company. And that's what I think we really excel at. Yeah. And I, and I think that that is, it's apparent. I think it's apparent and the passion that, and, and I get passion is one of those words like synergy, right? These days. And unfortunately, the S word. yeah, it's been co-opted by like buzzwords <clears throat> uh, and it's fine. I mean, I get it. But at the end of the day, like 
I feel strongly because I, I value my character. And when I've been at places where people have been very clearly contract first or paycheck first and not client first, then that diminishes my character as a reflect as it is reflected upon by that attitude because it's seen as pervasive and that's it's really unfortunate so um yeah it's that's i i feel like this is kind of one of those esoteric topics that we could talk about ad nauseum um in light of that or in lieu of that rather we should probably begin to wrap up and jordan i just had an idea for what we need to talk about next yes And this is what I think. I feel like so many of these things we will we'll have like stories that'll go on and on and on. But what we're going to do next time, and so if you've got a pen and paper there, or I'm maybe ready. We'll, I'm ready. Uh, okay, we're going to do five iconic, or not so iconic, but just five amazing guerrilla marketing campaigns because these are some of those really cool things. And I'll, and I'll kind of tease it with saying this one that I had an idea for <clears throat> that didn't ever go anywhere. So when I worked for this running shoe brand. I was like, okay, well, one of the things that we would do is we would go to these events, like the expo for the New York City Marathon or the Boston Marathon or whatever it is. They always have expos the day before the race where you go and you pick up all your race crap. And then part of that is that you can see new gear, like new shoes and hats and shorts and whatever, water bottles, whatever. So we always needed people to, we wanted people to sit down and try on our shoes. So I had this idea that we would make a bench because marathon season typically speaking is kind of late March to uh, November. So New York city marathon is this weekend. So that's kind of one of the last one you'll, you will find others. Yes. But generally speaking, the marathon majors are going to be during that time And the same thing for triathlon. And we would go to a lot of triathlon events. Uh, So you go to an Ironman, everybody's wearing shorts. Okay. So what I wanted to do is make these benches where people would sit down and try on our stuff. Okay. And they would be kind of like either metal or wooden. And what they would have is they would have uh, just like a park bench, but they would have our logo put into the bench in reverse. So that when you sit down to try on those shoes and you're there sitting down for probably five, 10 minutes or so, I talk about the shoe and try to ah, whatever, whatever you stand up. And now there's our logo across your ass. And every- <laughs> And everyone gets to see it as you walk around. Now, that was my idea. <laughs> it did not get picked up, but somebody else feel free to use that because I thought it was really good. <clears throat> but like some of those guerrilla marketing campaigns that are, and whether you consider that guerrilla marketing or not, I do because it's kind of like this unintentional out there. We'll, we'll define that. But I think that there's some very cool things that have been out there that really think outside the box and, you know, you just kind of have to think in the abstract. Some people are really great with doing that. Like I see a lot of these people. Um, there's this one guy, God, what's his name? I think it's called like uh, dude dad or something on Instagram. <laughs> I'm sure I have. it's like this guy that comes up on Instagram stories for me all the time. Cause, cause I have two kids. I have a two year old and a 12 year old. And so like we get all these toddler things and he just gives brilliant about these little shorts. I'm like, dude, that's so good. How did you come up with that? So anyway, they're all around. I would love to talk about those next time. So let's do, let's do some of those. Excellent. I can't wait. Yeah, man. It'll be awesome. <laughs> uh, Jordan, anything else you would like to say before we rig it a wrap up? You know, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I will just say this. It's, it's like the guerrilla tactics. You want 
to be like the Patriots, the Yankees, and less yes. like the Redcoats, right? Yes. You, you want to be flexible, adaptive, and not That's so right. rigid. I That's love right. it. I can't wait to talk about it. Be like water. Yes. <sighs> Flow. Be formless. Shapeless. Jeet Kundo, baby. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Uh, Jordan MacD. Wait, what did I say? Two, three Ooh. to the MacD or something Dude, like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Jordan, thank you so much as always, sir. It's been such a pleasure. Yes, um, thank you, Brandon. Of course, sir. I'm Brandon. That's Jordan. Guys, this has been the Mondo Solution number five. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Bye.